0: Corinthians want to start out in uh, Chapter One. The cross is our standard. First Corinthians, Chapter One, verse seventeen and eighteen. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdoms, wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Verse twenty-one. For after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. In chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, we want to look at the first five verses. Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The old song Honored Christian Soldier marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. That is our marching orders: to believe the gospel and to take the gospel to whosoever God places in the hearing of our voice. If you had been on Paul's ministry team and traveled from place to place listening to him, I believe it would have been apparent that while the apostle was possibly... The greatest follower of Christ, he really had only one message. And that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. You know, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Much different than it is today. A lot of people think that your pastor should be adverse in everything from life insurance to burial insurance to how to buy a house, what, how to take care of your, your kids. Uh, and uh, a lot of time is spent on those things. But uh, Paul made it very clear. For I determined not to know anything among you. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In other words, of all the reading that I do, or I hopefully that you do, or anybody else, uh, I only a couple magazines do I take and probably don't read them. Only a small portion of them, because when I get to start reading in the morning, I'll read many, many chapters before I stop because it's new each time. He'll show you something you hadn't seen yesterday. That's why it's such a blessing. But we broke this message down in a few areas and we may finish today and we may finish it up next Sunday. But the cross is a paramount message. The cross is the center, the core, the heart of the Christian message is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what God calls every preacher to preach. Now, thank God that uh, the first church had a lot of Bible studies in people's homes And I'm not saying that Paul and the rest of them didn't teach on other things. But it makes no difference what else you know if you don't know Jesus. If you have not been born again, you know, joining the church, being baptized, and and having pens for never missing this and never missing that, you know, it it doesn't bother me, but I think that sometimes other people, And I see that when I preach an old or person's funeral, that sometimes a family that remains, they'll point that out. You know, Grandma never missed a service for so many years, or Grandpa was active in the church. But we got an example in every one of those things where the greatest example is Judas, who was a lost church member, he was very active in the church, you know. Even the others did not know that he was the devil. So it's it sort of uh, gets you to, uh, thinking, you know, like a particular member we used to have that that, that you know came to me and he, I don't know what he's trying to impress or something, but he said, you know. I'd be around a person a very short time and I'd know whether they're truly saved or not. You know, I've been saved 50-some years and I can't do that because uh, if I'm rallying for a period of time, but I dare say that even the small group here, there has been times in which last a minute or five minutes that you wouldn't want nobody to see you and that period of time represent what you truly are. So the gospel is ever-learning, ever-growing. But the cross has got to be our standard, the person of Christ and the passion of Christ. You know, Paul wanted people to know who Jesus was and what he had accomplished at his first coming because what he accomplished at his first coming, and if I believe that will determine whether I'm going to be ready for his second coming. You know, just because I believe Jesus is coming and he may come today, that doesn't necessarily mean he's coming for me, you know. And when you talk to people, oh, you know, it's got to be right upon us, brother, you know. You know, and I listen to you sometimes, and I know you preach that. But just believing he's coming doesn't make you ready. It's what in our hearts see whether the Spirit of God has taught us or not. So the message of the cross is one part of the Christian message the world cannot duplicate. It can duplicate church membership. It can duplicate the script of baptism, you know, all of that. But if a church emphasizes elevating human suffering and poverty, there are a hundred social organizations that can do that. You know, I'm thankful for every country. I'm thankful for the money, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the United States can can give millions of dollars to Ukraine and not give a dollar to black black lives that matter and I would be happy you know but you're you're not saved because somebody is good to you that nation won't be saved because all the other nations, they'll be grateful but being grateful is not being saved being saved is a change of mind That leads to a change of action. So if a church becomes political and tries to solve uh, the moral ills of their country, other men and movements will be there trying to bring back America. The church tries to get in education. There are institutions bigger and better at that job. But an education without Christ, you still go to hell. You know, and and that just amazes me. You know, You know, I talked to those that I really love and I'm proud of them that they have graduated from college and went on and got a, you know, other d- degrees and, and you continue educating themselves. I'm thankful for that. But that is not salvation. That will not, keep you out of hell because of the accomplishments you have accomplished here on earth. So remember, Paul gives us his plan. Uh, It is uh, preaching exclusively Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't care what else I preach, and I love to preach the doctrines. I love to, to preach on separation but if I fail to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, that's the only preaching that's going to save somebody. We need to understand that. Jesus was a man, but he was more than a man. It's not enough to say that he was a carpenter. He was more than a carpenter. He was God himself who died on the cross God laying on him all of our sins. He took our place, our death, bearing our punishment of the wrath of God. You know, and that's a thrill to tell me to go into a hospital or a cancer center or a hobstice center, you know, to tell that person if they saved, there is life after this. You may suffer for weeks or months, I don't know how long, but if you're saved, that suffering is going to end and you'll have no more suffering. But if you're lost, the pain you have from cancer or the pain you have from something else, I mean, it's like a bee sting compared to what hell would be like. So, you know, that should be our job. So remember, Paul gave his plan of preaching exclusive. I don't know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He was God himself who died on the cross, God laying on him all of my sins and your sins if you believe. He took our place, dying our death, bearing the punishment of God's wrath in our place. I mean, when we came, you know, and the people getting ready for for Easter, you know, and and they show the crucifixion and all of that, and they preach the, the death, burial, and resurrection, which they haven't got right yet, but uh, they feel good about that. But unless you know that, you know, the one thing you know, I don't when I talk to my kids, whether some in a so-called church, some ain't in no church, I preach the gospel to them. You know, uh, you know my daughter asked me this a, a few weeks ago. Why don't you ever invite me back to Emmerman? I'm more interested in whether you're saved or not and whether you're a member of Emmerman. Because if you're truly saved and you want a church in this area, you don't have a choice. And you, you know what the, the the response is always: "There you go again. Where am I, I going? You know, if this is not the church that Jesus built, then I need to find where it is, because He built one, and in that church there will be truth." Some I like, some I don't like, some, you know, that makes me feel good, some that I wish wasn't, you know. But the second point is the cross is a precise message. How about a sermon in 10 words? Here it comes. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. That the whole gospel right there, Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. That's what he did. That's what it's all about. If you don't know anything else, if you don't know anything else, if you know that and you believe that Christ died for your sins and rose again from the dead, you're a child of the king. But see, what we believe What we believe, we always wish that when two people get married, they'll, you know, they'll have the blessings of God upon that wedding, have the blessings of God upon that life. You know, whether we save or loss, if we, you know, we want that. But I tell you what, marriage does. Marriage tests your love. That's what marriage does. And the Christian life tests your profession of faith. There is enough truth in those ten words to devote and study for a lifetime. There is enough truth in those words to save the whole world. Say those words to yourself. Christ died for my sins, and rose again from the dead. I told a person on this station, we were talking, and I said, you know, say that. Say that again. Say that again. And she probably thought, I'd hmm, I lost it. But, you know, we got to believe. We got to believe that, that he died, but he died for me and he rose again for me. Of course, God allowed him to come up and be a witness to all the people so that somebody was alive when he was crucified, was alive when he came out of the grave, an eyewitness. The question comes to us. Our closest friends, if, you're, if you was on trial for being a Christian, should they be a good witness? Paul said to the Galatians that anything subtracted from or added to the gospel is not the gospel at all. It ceased to be the gospel. But he said, you know, it is it is something different. <laughs> we add or take away, you know. We we got to understand that and believe that till you when you read somebody writing or you talk to somebody and you listen carefully, you know whether that person believes the same gospel that you do. But we rejoice when they say, I'm saved. I wonder what they believe that saved them. You know, very few people. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard people that's been through a hard time. They've been mistreated. They have some bad luck. And you talk to them, and they'll blunt it out, you know. What has he done for, for me? I don't need him. But a good moral person will always say, oh, I know him. I'm saved than what you're telling me, that Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead for you. See, the cross and the Christian gospel is so simple that a child can hear it and understand it. It is so profound that I will be able to preach about it 40 messages. No. No. I forget exactly how many verses in Jude. Not a few. What? 14, 15 verses in a whole book? I prepared 43 outlines on those 14 verses. I mean, it's hard telling how many sermons you prepare on the book of Ephesians hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and would be something different. See, the cross is a preaching, preaching message. I mean, it is a preaching message. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 17 and 18 as we read in verse 23. When you look at 1 Corinthians one seventeen, 17, we read it in, in the opening. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made non effect. You can take that. If we add anything from that or take anything away from that, it ceased to be the gospel. Now, if you believe that statement, you would be as strong as I am about only the King James Version. One day this week, I just took one verse, and I wrote it out with 11 different Bibles I have. And every one of them has at least one or two words different. So I I asked uh, my wife, I said, uh, if you told me to tell Sister Brenda something, and you say, Bids out. Would it upset you if I use better vocabulary or I change it or enhance it? And she said, No, I don't want you to do anything. Tell her exactly what I said. Don't you think that's the way God wants it? You don't want to change in the words because somebody up there that's got a little bit more education can tell you and me and everybody else, you know. That will make them understand, which tells me they don't understand that if they have any understanding, if you and I have any understanding what the gospel is, it's because the Spirit of God has taught us. And Can you improve on what the Spirit teaches you? Don't think so. Don't think so and he went on in verse 18 for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it's the power of God you know you can't expect a lost person to get all excited about preaching it's foreign to them it's foreign see what we need to understand is that the cross is a provocative message. The ideal that God will only forgive people through one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and through one means, a cross, and through one condition, that is repent and truly entirely in him, is a hard message for the unsaved. But how many people have you said, you know, there's many ways to get to heaven. Is there? Didn't I read somewhere in John where he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man goes to the Father or, or to go to the Father except through me. That narrows it down. No, you can't get to heaven many ways. There's only one way. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I'm the life, and no man that includes me. See, preaching the cross is not sharing a dialogue or discussing, it is declaring. When I stand to preach each week, I'm not having a dialogue with the congregation. This isn't a large group discussion. If you want to discuss something with me or with somebody else, you meet with them. Bring a Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, or something, and we'll sit down and, and talk. But that's not what preaching is. Preaching is preaching the gospel. It's preaching what Jesus Christ said. You know, here in here is something that 21st century preachers need to rediscover. To give people what they need, sometimes you must not give them what they want. That's the way it is in raising children, right? You can't always give it all what they want, but you should always give them what they need if it's in your power. I mean, it's not. It's not. Complicated. You know, here's something the 21st century preachers you know, need to rediscover. We need to get people what they need, not what they want. Parents lean that early on when you are solidly sick, they may want another cookie, but what do you give them? You know. I can I, show you, I mean, uh, the beautiful illustration, I mean, you know, and I know all y'all just hardly hearing about Adam, but when she was sick, her drums was all infected, and her breath would drive you out of the room. And they had to give her antibiotics, gave her antibiotics. About the third dose, and I didn't have the smell anymore, you know. The fourth dose and the fifth dose. you really tell she's feeling good. She, she said, I don't need this stuff anymore. So she went from a puppy that would open her mouth to a puppy you had to hold down. And then that do we are? when we've got everything we want at the time and need and we feel good and, you know, we got a few bucks in our pocket, then every once in a while God will bring us down because we forgot to thank him on those days. I believe that. The cross is a provocative message. The idea that God will only forgive people through one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's the only way you'd be saved. The Bible said it's foolish to them. It's foolish. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us, unto us, which are saved, is the power of God. I know no matter what my problem is, if I search in the Bible, I'm going to find an example. That's that's why we study the Old Testament as well. These are not Bible Bible stories to our children. They're history books to us. God is is not going to treat the Sodom and Gomorrah of the day any different than he did with the Sodom and Gomorrah of the first century. He's not going to treat liars and thieves different because he says, I'm God and I change not. we consider three things about the negative part of the cross. First, this is why many of the large churches do not consistently preach the cross. They go to their websites and view the message they have, and you will find few. You don't have to take my word. If you have a computer, you can go to any of these mega churches. It has a list of their sermons or titles. Very few priests on the cross. You know, why well, do people don't like the cross? Only thing they liked about the cross is they hang it around the neck. And you know, I don't hang one around my neck because it's not a Christian sign. But I don't get upset people wired, that's their business. My point is, the cross is offensive. It is offensive. If any message on the cross, the blood, the suffering of Jesus for our sins, if there is any mention of Jesus, it is only in a marginal way. Second, it is common to be met with hostility and ridicule when we lovingly share the message of the cross with the lost. I've had many over the years t- tell me, you follow this God that you believe will cast people in the hell, but I follow the God that is a loving God. And you're telling me that somebody that loves you is going to, turn around and cast you in the hell, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And the only escape is to repent. That is to change. And repentance is not repenting on Sunday morning and going back to the old way Monday morning. There's a drove period, you know, Second, it is common to be met with hostility, relicue, when we lovingly share the message of the cross with the lost. Jesus told us in John 15:18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You know, and I've heard people say, well, I don't. My family don't have anything to do with me since I accepted Christ. Well, either you explained it wrong or your family's lost. It's not complicated because when God saves you, we got a positive attitude. We don't take any credit for it. You know, we sometimes hear people well, I was I was lost, but after God saved me, I quit this, I quit this, I quit that, I quit this. Now, whether anybody else believes it or not, I do. I believe sometimes a Christian carries a habit for a substantial length of time before God takes it away. I believe that's possible. And we can... Preach a message on that because I've already have it made out. But you know, we become new. You say, "Well, I don't, I don't believe that." Then, do you believe that you've been saved for 15 years, 20 years, two years? Have you ever sinned since you got saved? And people in the right mind will say, "Sure, I have." So you sin every now and then. This person may sin for uh, six months after he's saved but the difference is that's the child of God who's new won't enjoy it we stop seeing when we don't enjoy it so you gotta stop enjoying so we gotta you know, push that old sin out and push more of Christ you know lift Christ up lift Christ up it's, you know Thirdly, you may come discouraged at the antagonism you meet and think there is no reason to carry the message to the cross to the lost world. Think again. Our fifth point is the cross is a powerful message. Romans one sixteen says what says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. The gospel has no effect if you refuse to believe it. You refuse to have it as part of your life. This is why we cannot mess with the message of the cross. We cannot tamper with it. We cannot change words. We cannot make it something that it doesn't say. Because I believe that First Corinthians 1, 18, we read a few times. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved is the power of God. See, once you realize you're different now, you know, as the song is different now. And that difference is because Christ now is on the throne of your life where you used to be. So, you know, it's, it's called conviction, you know, and people don't understand, you know. Uh, We've got our convictions, but a conviction that you won't stand on is not a conviction. It's, it's an opinion or a, a wish or something. I'm not sure what it is, but if I'm convicted of something, God has taken that desire away from me. I didn't just wake up one morning and say, I ain't going to do that no more. The cross delivers us from the penalty of sin through salvation. The cross delivers us from the power of sin in our daily life through sanctification. And the cross will one day deliver us from the presence of sin at our glorification. Just think about it. You know, whatever your pains are, you know, if you're a person that's in pain every day and, you know, seems nothing can be done for it. Your future is bright because there will be no more pain. The cross is a pressing message. The church cannot save. Baptism cannot save. Penance cannot save. Sincerity cannot save. Trying to change your life will not save. You will either go to heaven God's way or you'll go to hell your way. That's hard. But that's a fact. There's nothing that I can do to save myself. But salvation is so simple that people die and go to hell every day because they will not believe Jesus Christ. The cross presses the heart of those who say they are saved. Some cannot embrace this cross life because they have never really come to the cross. But see, the cross presses on life of a church. If we fa- fail to be a cross-centered, cross-centered church, we will soon enough not be a church at all. It either rather be Christ-centered, or it will cease to be a church. It'll be what most of them are a gathering. Our last point is, do you know the Jesus of the New Testament and have you accepted the payment that he made in your behalf on the cross for your sins and for your salvation? Very simple. First John 5, 12 says, and he that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. How simple that is? 1 John 5 12. John 3 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. See, I mean, that's the hardest people to, you know, you mm-hmm. knock on the door, they invite you in, and that person said, you know, oh, I'm I, I just invite preachers. I love to talk to them, but and they tell you all the things they don't do. And that's great. But it's not what you don't do that'll get you to heaven. It's what you've done. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sins? See? And then last, which I, I love, John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, life. And he that believeth not, the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abides on him. Well, i to close with this, and Sister Jean and I was talking about, you know, I said, you know, uh, we Baptists that are, we have a hard time praying for our president. You want me to tell you how you will start praying for him? Think about who takes his place if he dies. Wants to know how, why you'll pray for her when she's president? Think about who takes her place if she dies. I mean, you know. So we got to have a reason. Why do I pray? God is the only one that can save me. God is the only one that can keep me saved. And God is the only one that can save my children and my grandchildren. He's very important to me, Father. We thank you for this time, and we thank you for this study. We pray. For-